Chad moves in. For Kreider, he scores! Oh, what a beauty! Oh, what a play by Julian Gauthier! Oh, Pizzetta, number 55, and Ryan Reeves dropped the gloves. He was on whether a guy from, you know, the minors, an absolute killer, trying to, <laughs> trying to make a name or something. I don't know what set this off, but... Uh, Pizzetta sacrificed himself. I mean, I assumed. Well, I assumed he could fight. It's only his eighth game in the NHL, and he takes on one of the toughest players in the league. We are both them Rangers, huh? Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. That montage you just heard, courtesy of MSG Network. Sam Rosen, you heard, and of course, Ryan Reeves. He's got the hands of the hour. He will whoop your ass. Joining us later in the show, I had a one-on-one with Henrik Lundqvist. We'll play that. And of course, a weekly spot with Larry Brooks, who Henrik Lundqvist mentions as well. But let's welcome in your stars of the show. That would be the queen of the New York Post, Molly Walker, and her co-host, Rangers great number 10, Ron Duguay. Hi, everyone. Hi, Jake. Thank you. Wow, it's been a fun week, and things go better when the Rangers win. 10, 3, and 3, 23 points, top of the ladder. If you're a Ranger fan, you got to be happy. If you're an Alder fan, though, what the heck's going on? 5, 6, and 2. Might be something we can talk about. But for now, it's the Rangers in Toronto tonight. And when I think Toronto tonight, I look back at Montreal, how impressive the Rangers looked. Because we talked about how it's been goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. But all of a sudden, the team has come together and playing really well. The skilled players are being skilled players. And the tough guys are being the tough guy. Ryan Reeves finally drops the gloves. Not because he wanted to, but he was challenged. And it was one, two, three, four, five punches. Pizzetta down. Standing ovation. And... When we think of Ryan Reeves, that was kind of what we were expecting. But he's very calculating in what he does. I think he's playing his role really well. But we did want to see him fight. So we saw it. And I know for Molly, yeah, he's been your favorite player, especially in the dressing room, a guy to talk to, right? Absolutely. He, I mean, there are just so many things to say about him. He is just such a different kind of player than that has walked through that Rangers locker room in a very long time. And and I wasn't, I didn't cover the Montreal game because I was getting ready to travel to Toronto uh, the next day. But I obviously watched clips of the fight and I listened to what he had to say afterward. And it was just the whole sequence was just so Ryan Reeves. Like there were still shots of him putting his fists up, getting ready to fight. And just the look on his face, you know, which coincides with what he said after the game. He's just looking at this guy, Michael Pacetta, who has eight NHL games to his name name and he's almost just like this little fly that's come and trying to make a name for himself and thinking that he can take on Ryan Reeves and he just pummeled him I mean there was that was a one-sided fight and it was obviously very entertaining like you said standing ovation but yes we get into it with Larry a little bit later how Reeves is not going to fight just just for the hell of fighting. That's that's not who he is. That's not what he wants to do. And I doubt that's what the Rangers want him to do either. But he gave us a little bit of a taste of what he can do and did not disappoint whatsoever. So I'm uh, in the process of working on a feature on him to find out why he is the way that he is. So I'll be very excited to share that all with you very soon. <laughs> well, Molly, I got to tell you, I think the Ranger fans, Madison Square Garden, gave him a taste of 
how they feel about him fighting occasionally. Now, I don't encourage fighting for the sake of fighting. Guys who are capable of being good fighters or part of the team, they know when they feel like they need to stir things up. In a game where things are flat or if there's a guy running around, you just go out there and send a message. So I'm hoping now, and I think he's had those opportunities. I've seen it, and he hasn't done anything, especially with what happened with P.K. Subban, where P.K. really, that was an intent to injure the way he took him out. So they go and play against New Jersey, and there was nothing there. Of course, you got to think of winning first, but still, we could have seen something. My point is this. I'm wondering after what he felt from the fans in Madison Square Garden and his teammates. His teammates were standing up and like, wow, because they hadn't seen him really fight. Especially Kako. He like, my goodness, this guy could really fight. So I'm wondering if we're going to see a different Reeves in Madison Square Garden thinking, you know what? I can get a rise out of this building. Before we get into P.K. Subban and Sammy Blay, the one question that was lingering in my mind, because I knew we were going to talk about this on the show, is, Ron, have you ever been beat up that badly <laughs> when you were on the ice? No. Only if I'm going <laughs> to if I'm gonna challenge someone, I'm going to make sure that I'm going to be able to at least break even. And when you look back at the guys that I went up against, there were a lot of tough guys. Not only tough guys, but guys that are really good at fighting. So if you're going to pick a fight, make sure that you get inside the guy and you're able to grab him. Now, I was big enough and strong enough to be able to just wrestle a guy down. But this young kid who decided he was going to send a message for his team, if you're going to send a message, you don't want to look bad. And uh, But, yeah, in my day, there was a lot of tough guys. And I did fight a few guys. I fought Clark Gillies, and he kind of threw me around a little bit, but I never got hurt. Oh, that's good to hear. In some not-so-great Rangers news, Sammy Blay suffers a season-ending ACL tear. He has a recovery timeline of six to eight months, but we will not see him for the rest of the season. Just a huge blow for the Rangers, huge blow for the player himself, and uh, just an all-around very upsetting situation, especially in the fashion that it happened. P.K. Subban has done the exact same slew-footing type play now on four separate occasions, dating back to the preseason with Ryan Reeves, like you mentioned, Ron. And I wrote about it at length. So what I did is I went back and I analyzed every single play frame by frame before I annihilated PK about saying it was intentional and stuff, because obviously I wanted to make sure. And it looks almost as if it's become a habit of his that he can't even control. I'm not saying he's doing it with malicious intent. Don't think he's trying to hurt players. Absolutely not. But it's become a habit that he's fallen into during corner plays. And it's dangerous, as we've seen with Sammy Blay tearing his ACL. And it did not look good when it happened. Everybody knew that it was probably going to be serious. So I think that it's a bit of a shame that the league has, he's already been fined twice, $20,000 in total, I believe. The last one was 15 grand. But I mean, what is that? 0.17% of his $9 million cap hit? It's nothing. It's chump change. You need to suspend these guys to make them consciously make the change in their game. Otherwise, they're not going to see a reason to. But I think, obviously, PK probably feels terrible about ending Sammy Blay's season. So hopefully that'll kind of wake him up a little bit and he you know, will consciously try not to do that anymore. Yeah, I, when I look at uh, how he goes into a corner against a player and he spreads his leg out and he throws his leg out, that's not normal. That's not a normal technique for a player to want to do. So he's been doing it, and I think it's part of him trying to – 
Um, I don't think he's trying to hurt them. He's just trying to throw them off, get them off balance. Unfortunately, players have gotten hurt. So even after he was suspended, not suspended, fine, he goes against Blay and he does the exact same thing. It wasn't as bad, not as obvious. Otherwise, I think the NHL would have done something. It wasn't as obvious, but when you look at his technique, his technique tells you that's what he does. And he essentially said it's kind of been a habit of mine. So hopefully he's going to get away from that and just start thinking about taking the upper body versus the lower body. It's like in football. When you go after a football player, you go upper body or lower body. Lower body is a chance you can take the guy's knees out. It's the same thing in hockey. So only time will tell if he decides to kind of go into the corners in a different way. Right. And uh, as far as Sammy Blay, I, I spoke to a source who is close close to the situation, who's close to Blay. And it, it honestly broke my heart even more to talk to someone that, you know, has a pulse on how Sammy is feeling. And I'll tell you that I was told that the way Sammy viewed his first 15 games, 14 games with the Rangers, whatever it was, he almost had a new outlook on his career and on hockey and how much he was invested in this Rangers team. And he feels like he's found his place, feels like he's really settled in. And my source went as far to say that he has a whole new outlook on hockey and on being on a team and such. And that broke my heart even more. I mean, the kid plays with that kind of passion on the ice. You see it in every hit, in every pass, everything that he does. He gives 110%. He's a passionate player, plays with heart. To me, Sammy Blay embodies what Chris Drury went out to get more of this season. And living up to being the return on the Pavel Buchnevich trade is not an easy feat. You know, he caught some flack in the beginning when he wasn't making his impact as a parent. But now everybody sees how much better the team is rolling four lines when he's going as well. And I think that it's just, it's a real shame for, for both parties. And I really feel for the kid. I really do. Have you ever had any terrible injuries like that, Ron, where you were out for an extended period of time? Well, in fact, I did. And uh, it wasn't the whole season, but it was nine weeks. I had my uh, Achilles tendon cut 10%. It was in my third season. So I had a good start to the season. And uh, so I'm out for six to eight, I think it was eight weeks and uh, so I come back during the end of the season, but that time I was able to get physically stronger. And then once I got back on the ice and when you watch games as a young man, you can learn just from watching. So my level of excitement getting back into the end of the season, going into the playoffs, I led the team in the playoffs. And uh, so I benefited from it. So that's where for for Blay, the fact that he's missing the whole season or potentially he could come back if the Rangers would go deep in the playoffs. But yeah, I actually benefited from it. Most players don't. And I was going into, like Blay, going into the following season where I was going to be up for a new contract. And so it worked well for him. And so for Sammy, when he's thinking about where he was as far as being happy as a player, he's also thinking, I'm up for a new contract. Let's be honest. For players, you're playing to play and love the game and all that, but there's still, at the end of the day, you're getting paid. You can either get paid a million and a half or four or five million a year. 
there's a big difference. So you start thinking about those things and it does make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Changing the topic to something a little bit more happy. The kids are all right. The kids are doing well. Capo Caco, first points of the season. Alexi Lafreniere starting to find a groove. All positive things that have just been playing out on the ice and, and making the Rangers that much better. I think the, there was a stat in Larry's gamer after Caco's goal and assist and shootout goal that Kako and Lafreniere have had only scored in the same game on one other occasion or something like that. And that blew my mind. Like, think about that in, in just like the scope of things. Obviously, they haven't been around the team for that long, but still for how much we talk about them and how we view them as cornerstones of the organization and stuff, the fact that they that had only been the second time that they scored in the same game, I, it just blew my mind truly. But I, it was it was it's been nice to see them start to find their groove a bit. Well, part of it has to do with the veterans are playing better, right? And so you had the veterans playing better, the rookies playing better, and the, as a team, everyone's much better. And that's what Coach Gallant talked about. You know, they, they won their last four. There's a reason for that. You can't just rely on goaltending. So the whole team is playing much better. They're playing better in all zones, playing better defensively, eliminating those easy opportunities on their goaltender. But it's 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 the rookies playing well and then the veterans playing well. And uh, now we're seeing the results. And that's why it makes to watch the game tonight in Toronto because they're going to go up against a good team that has a lot of skill. And so you have to play with skill, but you got also defend. So how are the Rangers going to play tonight in Toronto? And Molly, you have a trip to just Toronto because Saturday and the COVID postponements. Have they said when that game is, is being moved to? Or No, they haven't uh, figured out when they're going to reschedule that game. But yeah, tough scene over there in Ottawa. Lots of lots of guys on the COVID protocol list, and they had to have three of their games canceled. Well, here in the United States, I have never felt uglier than when I had a one-on-one next to Henrik Lundqvist, and I thought I was the best-looking man in the building. In terms of attire, obviously, there are skinnier and better-looking people. People have better hair than me in that arena and former hockey players, but I had the blazer on. I I met Ron's guy, Rob, great guy. Shout out to MJ, a great cause. The Chris Chubb Halt ALS event, raising money to Halt ALS. It's a terrible disease. We lose many people to it every year. It was a tremendous event. Henrik Lundqvist was there, Cuba Gooding Jr., a bunch of other former players. And I spoke in the locker room after, so you'll hear the interview, and it does sound like there's murmuring in the background because, yes, There were a bunch of former NHL players chatting. Luckily, you can't hear too much of what was being said, but had a little short one-on-one. And before we go to that one-on-one with Henrik Lundqvist, uh, here's a little montage courtesy of NBC Sports, MSG Network, Doc Emmerich, Sam Rosen, Kenny Albert, and Joe Micheletti. A little Henrik montage, and then you'll hear the one-on-one interview with Henrik. By Lundqvist on the attempt by Wagner. Down low. Saved by Lundqvist. And he made another one. On Brady Kachuk. Oh, man. You have got to be kidding me. <laughs> you have, that, That's a wide open net. Giveaway. Carlson shoots. Saved. Rebound. Saved. What a save by Lundqvist. Unbelievable. Just when you think, yeah, how's he going to make this save? Look at this stick. Oh, my yeah. gosh. What a save. Well, first off, good to have you, Henrik. Uh, how's the broadcast life treating you? You know, Ron Duguay hosts a Rangers show. You're in the seat next to Valley now. How does it feel? Oh, it's been great. Um, 
known Valley for so many years, and even John, probably 15 years. I really enjoy it. They're super relaxed and they're having a lot of fun. And for me right now, it's in life. It's all about having fun, so I, I really enjoy it. What's the next chapter? Is it just broadcasting? What else is the no, post-playing career yeah, have? There, there's a few projects. I'm working on a few projects. Um, so broadcasting is just a part of it. And, yeah, there's some other things going on that, that I'm working on. And, um, yeah, it's both in Sweden and in New York. And, uh, I'm excited. Life's been really good in the last eight, nine weeks, coming back to New York, kids back to school. And, just trying to find, um, you know, it's time management now. You know, I have a, I have things to do. It's more how much time I'm going to spend on each thing. Yeah. What's your impressions of Igor so far? Is he the heir to the throne? What, what do you like about Igor? Uh, I mean, he's been playing great. He's a technically very very strong goalie, but it's his mindset is even better. I think he's very calm. He. Um, doesn't get rattled easily and, and yeah he seems to really enjoy the role he has right now and he's obviously helping the team in a big way so he's been impressive what has your message been to him when you two have spoke I mean we early on when we we trained together just try to make him feel comfortable and then he didn't speak much English so it was more about letting him know and you know be comfortable and enjoy his time in, in New York and uh, but it was more just, you know, me talking, he listening. But uh, he seemed like a great guy. They did, you know, the little time we did spend together. And, um, but I think anybody that comes in, you're a new guy, and as an older guy, you always try to make sure they, they feel comfortable and can be themselves. Thoughts on the current state of the Rangers, Coach Gallant? Igor's carried him so far, but... Listen, they're in the second of the Metropolitan. Things have been good, but uh, frustrated with the team's play at all so far? Uh, you know what? I, I think they, the biggest thing in, in this league is finding ways to win, and they've been able to do that. They've, they've had games they play really strong, and then they have games they haven't played as well, but they've still been winning, and that's the most important thing, and that's a, that's a skill itself, and I think it's a very important skill to have, so... Uh, so far, I, I think everybody should be pleased with, with the results. So of course, you can always improve your game, but in the end, it's about results, and they've been getting pretty good results. Right, I need your message to Brooksy. Brooksy's covered you for so many years. Hall of Fame writer is on our show every week. We'll love your thoughts on Brooksy over these years. Yeah, no, it was great to get to know Brooksy, and he became part of my journey. You know, he was there every day for 15 years, and I've told him that too. It was uh, I have a lot of respect for him. He knows so much about the game, and. Uh, like I said, it was part of my journey a little bit to see him at the rink every day and talk about the game and what was going on, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it. So it was fun working because it becomes a working relationship, obviously, when he's there so much and he's part of, you know, part of what we do day to day. Your number, January, going up. How special is that? Is it you got tear jerkers thinking about it? Uh, how special is that day going to be? I think it's hard to take in. Uh, you have moments, but it's going to be extremely special for so many reasons. Obviously, it's a huge honor. Um, and just to be amongst all those players that hang there already. And, and the Rangers meant so much to me throughout my career. And then also to have my closest friends and family in the building. And then I never had that 
that throughout my career because everybody's busy and pretty far for them. But now I have a lot of Swedes coming over to share this extremely special moment. So I, I can't wait. It, it, it's going to be obviously a day to remember for me and my family. And, and um, I'm so, so proud and grateful. Last one. Are you comfortable where you're at now? Like, do you miss the game at all? Do you is the pressure of not talking to the media after you know the losing sleep after a big loss? Are you over with that, or do you miss it at all? No, I, of course. When when the you know win big games and, and it's always uh, that's a feeling that I will miss, uh, and I think you'll always miss that. But there's so many fun things going on in my life right now. I'm ready to move forward, and you can't think about you know what if or. This is it now, and and, and um, it's more. I just feel appreciation for what I experienced more than you know thinking about anything else. So it makes me smile thinking back of all the memories and friendships I created. And um, but you know I'm staying connected to the game through MSG Network, talking about the Rangers, and uh, I enjoy that. And do you like being called the King? Uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> I've always been laughing about that. You know, it's uh, happened pretty quickly. I thought it would go away, but it didn't. But uh, um, yeah, I try not to take it too seriously. It's a fun thing that happened early on, probably thanks to Brooksy. But um, it's been a fun ride. So, but you know, it's. Um, I have a lot of friends that play the game that do different things. A lot of them are here tonight. And I, I, I lost this, uh, this charity hockey game for Chris. And I've known Chris for many years. So um, it's a tight community, the hockey community. You know a lot of guys. And you run into a lot of them that have played and still play. So it's, it's, a, it's a great family. All right. So Henrik talked about Brooksy. He talked about his retirement, MSG. I'll start with you, Ron. What do you think about uh, what Henrik said there? Well, one of the things you've asked him is uh, his post-career, his desires. He didn't get into it, obviously. He's doing television, and I think he's... uh he can do really well at it, especially for Madison Square Garden covering the Rangers. But I, I think he may have a bigger goal, possibly NBC, NHL. They could use him there. Not only does he speak well, but he looks good. He's been an ambassador of the game. So he's well suited for all that. And then he talks about uh, Sweden. Now, you talk about Henrik and you refer to him as a king. Well, if you go to Sweden... He is the king. But one of the things he said when you'd asked him about uh, not playing, missing the game, I can see him missing the game, missing the team, missing being part of the dressing room, missing winning games. But a part of him, I think, realized that he's just, he hasn't been himself. He got hurt. He's not himself. He knows if he was to come back, if he can't be 100%, he'd rather not play. So I see that part of him now. He realized he can't be 100%. He's moved on. He's going to miss it, but he's really moved on. I mean, his career didn't end on his own terms. I think that's what it comes down to. Like, he obviously, he was excited to join the Capitals. He was excited to be on a team that had Stanley Cup aspirations, and he didn't get to do that, and his career didn't end on his own terms. So I think my my heart broke a little bit for that question because I can't imagine what it must feel to have that happen to you. But I'll tell you, my mom does not mind at all seeing his face on the MSG post-game shows. So 
lots of people are probably very happy with that. And obviously, like you said, Ron, he's absolutely made for TV. My favorite part of the interview was when he said that he thought the King Henrik nickname that was given to him by our very own Larry Brooks, he thought that it wasn't going to stick, that it was just going to like fade away or something. And obviously it didn't. But I just think it's funny because that was he embodies that nickname. It just fits him so well. Well, Molly, I have to add to that. It doesn't stick if he doesn't play the way he did, right? You can't be king unless you play like a king. Unless which he, he did. He's the throne. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, and it's almost a good thing that he didn't play for Washington. I, re- I really believe that things happen for a reason. I think he's okay with not having played in Washington because it would have been so strange for him to come to the Garden and be a Washington Capitol because maybe then he wouldn't have been the king. <laughs> mm-hmm. He <laughs> so, quite literally um, gave his I- heart to the New York Rangers. There you go. Yeah, he really did. And uh, move over, Molly Walker. I am now a hockey insider here. The <laughs> exclusives. Uh, watch your back, Molly. I'm coming for your job. He was a good looking dude. And that blazer was fire. I should have asked him, you know, where did he get his clothes and just ask him if he had any more. But we'll ask Larry Brooks about that question and about the Rangers next on Up in the Blue Seats. Joining us next on Up in the Blue Seats is our Hockey Hall of Fame Rangers beat writer at the Post, Larry Brooks, and his usual weekly spot. Follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy. So, Larry, we've obviously already talked a lot about Sammy Blay and his season-ending ACL tears. What did you see from him in his first games as a Ranger and how he fits into the organization? I think he's a blank slate and a pound of clay that is there to be molded. Really impressive, I thought, first 15 games. more, Much more than was advertised over the summer when the Rangers obtained him. He hits hard. He hits with purpose. He he reminds me a lot of, in that regard, he reminds me a lot of, of Clutterbuck and Martin on the island. When they hit you, you know it. And I I, I believe it's the same with Blay. I mean, you know, it, it leaves an impact. It's not just a, a rub out for no reason. That was one thing. His, his skill, his hands, represented a surprise. He was, I, I think, developing into a player who could, take a top six role and you know maybe not permanently we don't know but you know you would be comfortable with him playing on the top line you'd be comfortable with him playing on the second line it's a loss for the rangers but it is just a shame for sammy blake larry do you think that leaves uh, the door open or an opportunity for a player that i know that you've been hoping that he finds his game and so have i for the obvious reasons and that's uh, julian gauthier do you believe that we're going to see now out of him a player that will play with some confidence and probably see his size and strength to be developed. There is so much about him to like. <laughs> I mean, he always tries to get to the net. He's big. He skate. He's big, you know, as you say, he's a first rounder. So he obviously in, in junior. There's something gets lost in the translation as he's as he's driving to the net. He just goes that that last move he cannot complete. But I think he will play with more comp. I think it's going to be an interesting combination for as long as it lasts with Heedle in the middle and Frenier on, on, on the left side. This is his opportunity. We'll find out, I think, a lot more about Gauthier over, over the next, you know, few weeks, over the next few months. If he can if he can keep that spot, he can be a productive player on the on the third line. He's not gonna get power play time the way things are set up right now. So his his numbers are, aren't, I, I don't think, are going to stand out. But he's been a more disciplined player this year. He stayed away from taking the 
the bad penalties that probably got him benched and probably got him put into street clothes so often the last uh, the last you know last year. If he can maintain his discipline, the Rangers might have some. I think I said this to you, Larry, once before, but Lord help the NHL when Julian Gauthier learns how to finish his drives to the net. But Larry, you also wrote <laughs> you wrote about um, slotting Philip Hedel onto the first line with Sammy Blaze being out for the season. Could you just talk us through that and why you think that's a move Gallant should make? Well, I've always thought, and and, and this has been for a couple of years now, I, I have thought that Filipino probably fits better as a right wing than as a center, but the Rangers don't agree with him. I mean, they just don't. And, and, and listen, I... I, I would hope they know more about their player than I do. You know, <laughs> I mean, they have one job, I have another. And their, their job is to slot players into the proper situations. Their, their job is to analyze players. My job is to write about the players. I, you know, I like Hedo on the right, and I think it would be very, very interesting to see him up in the first line. At the same time, though, I, I, I recognize his value to the organization as a center. If he, you know, if he can get it down, if it, you know, he's 22, but he's he is in his full season. I think it's important for him to take some strides this year. We all we all know the the looming riddle in the middle next year. Strom is is a pending free agent. It's I think unlikely that they will be able to sign him. Possible, but I think unlikely. And so they're going to need a player who can step in on the second line. If they can have a second line center at 2.3 million next year, that solves a lot of their problems. So I recognize that in the middle. What I've seen from Hedl so far as a center is that he doesn't necessarily distribute the puck and, and make his wingers better. But I, I, I've seen actually his last few games. I, I think there has been progress in that area. If Philip can give them competent minutes in the middle and beyond that, if he can reach his ceiling, which I think is still very high, and it's it's very, very important step for the Rangers and for him because they may have an answer next year for second line center and they can go address other issues with the money they're they're going to have and it's not going to be a lot. Larry, going into tonight's game against Toronto, one player that we're not going to expect to make some incredible passing, but may, we may see something different after the last game in Montreal where he finally dropped some gloves and decided to show his stuff to the garden and he got a standing ovation. And we had talked about this. We felt like there was more in him. Of course, he's been physical, but possibly set a message. And we hadn't seen that. So we saw it last game. And I think he saw the response and the reaction from the fans. He got a standing ovation. And his teammates were going like, wow, right? So do you think that Reeves moving forward is going to be a little more engaged? It seems to me like he is a cerebral fourth-line player. He is not going to be a player who fights for the sake of fighting. He was challenged to fight, and so th- that's why he dropped the gloves. He didn't. He didn't go out to start a fight, and he certainly wouldn't start a fight with a with a kid who's you know who's who's just you know who's just up in the league. I mean, that, that's something he would not do. But he was challenged, and he responded, and and he gave everybody a lift. I, I think the fourth line has been more engaged the last three or four games. I think their their team sort of got a reset last week when they were when they had the three days of practice and they were off. I think they they reset in a lot of areas. I think the fourth line has been more aggressive. I think it's been hungrier. I think it's been on the puck a lot more. I think Kevin Rooney is you know has had a really good year. I think Dryden Hunt has his moments, and I think Reeves has has his moments. So. 
Uh, whether we're going to see Ryan Reeves dropping the gloves more often or not, I, I think that's a situation-by-situation situation affair. It wouldn't surprise me if we see him dropping the gloves you know, more than once every 10 games. Larry, we'll close with this. I played it early in the show, but on Saturday at the Chris Chupp Halt ALS charity hockey game in West Orange, New Jersey, I spoke with Henrik Lundqvist, and I had to ask about Brooksy. So here's what he said, and we'd love to see you know your response on covering Henrik. Uh, no, it was great to get to know Brooksy, and he became part of my journey. You know, he was there every day for 15 years, and I've told him that too. It was uh, I have a lot of respect for him. He knows so much about the game, and uh, like I said, it was part of my journey a little bit to see him at the rink every day and talk about the game and what was going on and. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it, so it was fun working because it becomes a working relationship. Obviously, when he's there so much, and he's part of you know part of what we do day to day. Covering uh, Henrik all those years, and now his number going up in January. Would love to hear your memories over the years, Larry. Well, I think I've, I've, I'm, I'm sure I've written more words about Henrik Lundqvist than anyone else. I think the leader. No, I, I think the leader in the clubhouse was either was either uh, Brodeur. Or Bobby Holik, I think. But Hank, I, Hank was always enjoyable to talk to. I, I remember like his first few years, I thought he resembled after on House, Gregory Laurie. I thought he looked like him, so I called him House for a couple of years. <laughs> and, and then, though I, I, you know, one thing I would say to, 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 to Lundquist is, is, is when he started his crown collection, I, I, I noticed that I was not getting any royalties, and I, I mentioned it to him. But <laughs> listen, he, he was a class act. He is a class act. He was always available. It was just, it, was, it was just reassuring to walk into the room and see him every day. He was a franchise player with a franchise personality. He, he was the name above the, the title on the marquee for 15 years. And there have been other players whose peak probably equaled Lundquist, but I don't I don't know of another Ranger who carried who who was the face of the franchise for that long. There are very very few players in the NHL, very few players in pro sports who are the face of a franchise for 15 years, and all that entails the way Lundquist was. So my relationship with with him was one of the most enjoyable of my career. There's, there's no question about it. And and honestly, giving him the, the name the king in my like his third game is really one of the coolest memories of my career my entire career i I would say that giving henrik lundquist his nickname is is one of the coolest things in my entire career so a terrific guy very very fortunate to get to know him very very fortunate to get to watch him play for his entire career i asked him about that too i I said did you like getting called the king and he said he gives i guess he blames or gives credit to you for that nickname so there you go Thanks so much for your time, Larry, and we'll chat again next week. Okay, thanks. Episode 64 of Up in the Blue Seats, the range of podcasts from the New York Post is in the books, Molly, and what a fun episode. I mean, so much winning is going on. It's fun when a team in New York wins, right? Yeah, it's definitely a good time. And I just obviously want to say thank you to you and Andrew Hartz for producing the show. I mean, it means just so much to us. Yeah, and of course, you can give us a five-star rating and write a nice review. You can follow Molly on Twitter at Molly Walker. Two E's and two R's. Don't forget... 
that second E and second R and screw the lady who has the at Molly Walker with, with one E and R. We'll have to find her one day and uh, pay her handsomely in a steak dinner to get that username. And you can follow Ron Duguay at Ron Duguay ten. Let's let's keep the winning train going here. Let's. You know, I know you're in Toronto now. Will you have plans? What you're doing in, in the six, as they call it? Do you have dinner plans? Yeah, I'm actually about to go have my steak dinner now. So <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, there we go. For the great number ten, Ron Duguay. I'm Molly Walker, and we will be back in your ears next Thursday. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the Rangers games. <laughs>